You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast here on uh, all things LSU Tigers. we got a special guest with us today as we go back behind enemy lines. Cody Goodwin. My name is Bryce Coon. Cody, you're over there, you know, with the Bama 24-7 site. Uh, First off, how's it been? You know, first year here on the uh, the beat. How are you enjoying it? It's been fun, man. It's uh, for those who, not that your listeners care, but I came from Big Ten, Big 12 country. Um, So watching a lot better football, for one, which has been an absolute treat um, this fall for me. But no, man, it's been fun. It's uh, we were talking before you hit record here. the bye week came at a good time, I think, for both of these teams just to kind of tee up this matchup, but also I think for the rest of us because those uh, first couple of months, yeah. man, that that that'll get you. That grind's real. Oh, it's uh, the, I know you said that Saban said it's a good time for the players. Kelly said the same thing yesterday, and uh, I know you said all the media looked at each other over there in Tuscaloosa yesterday. It was like <laughs> it was really good for us too. So, uh, but we begin the home stretch of the season, and as in years prior. Over here in the SEC, the LSU-Alabama game kind of signifies, hey, we're in the final month of the regular season. So as we get ready to turn the calendar, recording this on Halloween, I'll ask you this. Do you have any big Halloween plans? What are you going dressed as? We, uh, I mean, by the time this probably lands, we'll already, um, you know, we have Alabama has player availabilities on Tuesdays. So, like, we'll go talk with them in the afternoon. Uh, my plan, though, I'm not wearing it right now, but my plan, though, is to go in dressed up as Clark Kent. So I got a nice Superman shirt and then I've got, you know, a button down, nice slacks and everything. And I'm just going to kind of walk in and people are going to be like, why are y'all dressed up? And I'm like, because it's Halloween, you know, so Ooh, something crazy. real simple, something, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, but that's those those are my plans. I don't know. What are you? What do you got anything? fun planned i don't have anything fun necessarily planned uh the wife right now she's dressed up as flow from progressive so i'm like supposed to be jamie from progressive so we're supposed to match (laughs) the the progressive outfits so that'll be fun tonight as we uh we uh after player availability tonight so i don't know if i'm gonna wear it into the player availability it's not as uh incognito i should say as what you got going on i don't if i go in in a white apron with you know progressive across someone might say you know are you supposed to be here so that'll it'll be interesting it, it might raise a few questions. I don't know. It could be an easy icebreaker, man. It might be worth it. It could be. It could, I might get the first question of the day, you know, if I do that. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But, hey, this matchup, man, uh, it's always fun. Obviously, a lot of LSU fans and Alabama fans, you know, know what happened last year. I mean, Brian Kelly, his first year at LSU, just a wild win for one side, a heartbreaking defeat on the other side. But, Cody, I mean, one of the biggest storylines, and I know LSU fans have paid attention to this, is Alabama's offense. And so just want to kind of get your thoughts because, you know, from the fans' perspective, there's a lot of, well, their offense isn't as good. Well, their offense was otherworldly the past couple of years. So, but, you know, this season, it does feel like they have continued to grow and mature. And when I went back and looked at some of, you know, week one, week two, week three, Jalen Milrow compared to the past couple weeks, this kid's grown up a lot. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on this Alabama offense and how they've trended over the past month or so. 
Yeah, they uh, improvement's a pretty good word. They this is the first time since what 2016 probably that Alabama didn't have a future NFL quarterback at quarterback. Right? They went from Jalen Hurts to Tua to Mac Jones in that 2020 year to Bryce Young the last couple years, and now you've got Jalen Milrow who is very good. Um, jury's still out if he's going to maybe make the jump to the next level. Um, but this is a guy that came into this season. He only had, you know, so many snaps under his belt. He only started one game last season when Bryce was out with a shoulder injury. Um, so like a lot of unknown and just like, you know, when you're playing in the sec and really college football in general, you just don't know how it's going to go. Right. And so a lot of unknown. Um, I think a lot of us were kind of, you know, okay, we, we, we're not sure where the floor, the ceiling's going to be because we all know how important the quarterback position has become to the game, you know, over the last few years. Um, but there were a lot of really good pieces around Milrow. You know, I, I think the, the offensive line we thought in the preseason would be very, very good. Turns out that they're not. Um, we'll mm-hmm. get to that in a minute. Um, but like a lot of really good skill guys, right? Like the two leading receivers, um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton both back this year. Um, you bring in Tommy Reese, an offensive coordinator, so that, you know, immediately is like, okay, they're going to start implementing some tight end usage. A lot of young skill guys who do really well, um, you know, getting the ball in space. So, you know, a lot of things may be working in Jalen Milrow's favor. And it probably took him a little while to really, you know, him and Alabama both to try and, you know, figure out like, hey, wh- where am I good? Where am I comfortable? Um, you know, what what do I do best right in in over mm-hmm. the course of the game and so you know we've seen Alabama start to lean in a little bit more to that uh, right like Jalen Milrow he's he's very he's got a strong arm um, he's not afraid to throw the deep ball um, he's also mobile he's not a run first guy but he can run he's very fast um, you know usually if he escapes the pocket he's still looking to pass first um, you know but he's I mean he's had a couple of runs of you know more than a couple of runs of 20 plus yards this season like he's he's pretty quick footed which is interesting because earlier this week he actually told us like I don't practice running at all usually in the offseason I'm just throwing and it's like you watch him run and it's like dude like <laughs> lean into this a little bit like it could be good for you yeah um you know so like there's you know I, over the last month I think we've started to see Alabama's offense maybe get to um you know its final version quote unquote um, you know, I think for a lot of this season, it's been kind of a home run or strikeout offense. Um, it's been very, you know, they either get the big play or they kind of slog and struggle along. You know, there were, you know, mentioned Milrose deep ball, but like we see it in the passing game. We see it in the run game as well. Like <clears throat> this is on pace to be one of, you know, Nick Saban's worst rushing offenses since he's been at Alabama. Uh-huh. Um, and yet I think they're only second to LSU in the SEC when it comes to runs of 10 plus yards. Like it's either they're going to get it. Or they're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they've they, they're really good at the deep ball. Um, occasionally, you know, Milrow will go through spurts where, you know, he's just, you know, a half inch off here, a half inch off there. The timing might be off. Um, you know, he might misread something, um, you know, and then he'll go on stretches where he hits eight of nine, 10 of 12. You know, he'll hit the deep shots, um, you know, and I, you know, I think it was during the Arkansas game. You know, they played a wonderful second quarter. Milrow went like eight of 11 for 200 yards. They were running the ball well. And then, you know, the rest of that game, you know, he missed like seven straight incompletions. They weren't running the ball effectively. Like, you know, I think eight of their carries went for 140 yards. So the other 30 went for 70. Like it just wasn't very hot and cold, very hot and cold. And so you wonder what, you know, they did during the bye week um, to maybe iron some of that stuff out, especially like you mentioned, right? We're entering that last month of the season. This is a big game to kind of kick off, you know, where are either of these teams going to go? And so when it comes to Alabama's offense, like 
Can they iron out some of those deals? Can they be a little bit more consistent? Can they be a little bit more efficient? Um, that's ultimately, I think what we're looking for. Cause then you look at, you know, LSU on the other side of the ball, they're going to have to be efficient and they're going to have to be consistent if they, you know, I don't know that they want to get into a track meet, but they're going to have to score more points than they have, um, you know, over the last few sec matchups. So it's still very much a work in progress. And you hope that Alabama, um, solved a lot of maybe some of the smaller issues over the course of the bye week We could talk about the offensive line. I think that's really been a big story. I mean, there's talent there. Cody, I mean, it's not that there's not talent. Is it a question of uh, just execution? Is it a question of things are maybe a little too complicated? Have they had to simplify things? I know LSU's had to do that at certain spots for their team this year. What has it been that has just kind of led this offensive line to not be as good as maybe the preseason expectations were? Yeah, I think the a combination of things, right? So coming into this season, you know, we I. Hand in the air. I bought the hype. They were talking about wanting to make people quit. They were talking about yeah. being bullies. They wanted to go back to, you know, kind of that throwback joyless murder ball type offense. I bought it. I was like, yeah, like kind of like you said, there's talent on this offensive line. There's four and five star guys up and down. JC Latham at right tackle is going to play on Sundays for a long time. Tyler Booker at left guard is going to be, I mean, he's tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Yeah. And then you know, Caden Proctor, the five-star left tackle. Like I've been watching that kid since he was in high school. Um, you know, again, your listeners don't care, but I came down here from Iowa and that's where he's from. Yeah. So like, I've been, I've just been watching him for a long time and I'm like, yeah, like this, this kid's got the stuff. He's really good. Um, then you kind of take a step back and you take the bird's eye view of the thing. And it's like, okay, they got to replace three starters from last year. Um, mm -hmm. Offensive line very much relies on cohesion consistency like those guys communicate quite a bit during the course of the game and you know if it's not put together well enough things can go haywire very very quickly so you combine the inexperience of them just playing together with you know a true freshman who's trying to you know Caden Proctor again true freshman trying to play at that SEC speed right away um, it was a pretty rough mix the first, you know, few weeks of the season, Texas really yeah. beat them up, um, you know, in week two, like that's ultimately how Texas, I think won that game. Like they, they won the trenches, like that's, you know, and it result was 10 points, um, you know, against South Florida who, you know, that's a team that just all they do is blitz. Like they just found the weak spot, which at that point was Caden Proctor still. And they just blitzed him relentlessly. I want to say he was responsible for giving up three sacks that day. Um, as the season's gone along, they've they've been a little bit more cohesive. They've been a little bit more confident, but still you look at the numbers and it's like, okay, Alabama has still given up, what, 31 sacks over the course of the season, which is just atrocious. Um, not all of that I don't think is on the offensive line. I think a lot of that is also on Jalen Milrow. That's a guy that sometimes, you know, when the pocket gets squeezed a little bit, he'll panic. Um, he'll leave clean pockets before maybe he should. Um, he'll roll one way or the other. And occasionally, you know, especially the last few weeks, A&M, Arkansas, and L uh, Tennessee specifically, and I'm sure LSU will do this as too. Um, they've done a really good job of using, you know, a speedy linebacker or, you know, a, a you know, defensive back uh, to spy him. Right. And so yeah. it takes a lot of speed to get a guy like that on the ground. So, you know, they'll use him to spy so that he doesn't get out, you know, to go run and, um, that's really kind of limited his running ability. Um, but it's also, you know, on the occasion, like he, he steps into sacks sometimes. And so like, that's just, you know, pocket awareness quarterback that needs to grow a little bit more. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's been 
a weird, you know, first month of the season, it was like, man, this offensive line is just, they're not good. They're not playing well. They're not playing together. And then the second month of the season, it's like, all right, like Milrose got to finish. He's got to fine tune a couple of things. He's got to have a little bit better pocket awareness. Um, you know, how has Alabama helped him? A lot of tight end usage. Um, you know, you guys will see on Saturday, a lot of tight ends will line up next to Caden Proctor at left tackle. They'll have, you know, running backs go and chip help. Um, you know, right after the snap, they'll keep running backs back in for, uh, um, you know, pass protection as well. So they're doing little things here and there to help the offense. And, and clearly it's working. They're taking steps forward. But, um, you know, at this point, a little bit more of an unfortunate feature than a bug. Um, so safe to say Milrow will probably give up a few sacks or the offensive line will give up a few sacks. LSU is going to get in the backfield. Um, just yeah. a matter of how much and how often. And if they can do it enough, um, that's going to cause problems for Alabama's offense. Yeah, that's something that I think when you say that, LSU fans are going to be excited because they have probably the speediest of linebackers, Harold Perkins. That's who they're thinking of when they think of that guy that can spy. So it'll be that'll be a very interesting matchup. Uh, one more thing I wanted to hit on that offense before we move over to the other side of the football was, you know, coming into the season, I think a lot of people from the outside, maybe not on the Alabama beat, said, who's going to step up at wide receiver? Like they've had such a nice run of NFL talent receivers. Who's stepping up? And it seems like, Cody, just from the outside looking in, when Jermaine Burton has a good day, Alabama's offense has a really good day. So talk to me about uh, the emotional roller coaster that is Jermaine Burton. He's a fun guy to watch, but he's obviously uh, – I think he fits the mold when you think of receivers. But also, what does it take to get him going? Is this something we're going to see Milrow try to establish early on in this game on Saturday to try to get the juices flowing for these both of these guys? Yeah, he's, you know, he's a fiery receiver. He talks a lot of trash on the field. Um, you know, that sometimes that costs him a flag, but no, he's, he's a good, he's, he's the engine for a lot of that deep ball offense. And if Alabama's hitting deep balls early in the game, it's going to really open up, you know, I think everything else for the offense that they want to do. Um, you know, Burton, he was one of the leading receivers last year. He came back this year mm -hmm. specifically to fine tune some stuff to also maybe help Alabama's, you know, I, they went from Bryce Young to Jalen Milrow, right? You need some veteran, um, you know, leadership at receiver to maybe help with that transition a little bit. It took a while for him to get going. He was dealing with, you know, small injuries here and there, but it was really the A&M game where he took off nine catches, 197 yards, two touchdowns, just all around a career day. Um, and since then he's been steadily consistent, you know, I two catches, 60 yards against Arkansas, four catches, 62 yards against Tennessee, had another touchdown in that game. Um, you know, he's a guy that can, he tracks a deep ball really, really well, which is great because Milrow is very accurate on a lot of his deep balls, or at least he puts it in position for only his receivers to make plays. Um, you know, so I, for a while it kind of took, you know, a combination of injuries and just, I think Alabama was really kind of shuffling through some of their receiving personnel, um, you know, I mentioned Tommy Reese coming over from Notre Dame as the new offensive coordinator. He loves using his tight ends. So, you know, naturally a lot more 12 personnel means fewer snaps, fewer opportunities for a lot of Alabama's receivers. They got a lot of receivers who I think can do some good things, but it's just kind of, I think they spent the first month or month and a half of the season trying to figure out, all right, who are our alphas going to be? Who are the guys we need to feed? Who are the guys that we're going to get on the field more often than not? Um, Jermaine Burton has obviously, I think, emerged as that alpha. Isaiah Bond is another guy who mm -hmm. um, he's a deep threat. He's very, very fast. He's also, you know, he, he's able to go up and get contested catches. Um, 
They've got some other guys that do really well in space. Mentioned Jacory Brooks. He's a guy that dealing with injuries, also kind of in the doghouse a little bit to begin the season. So haven't seen a ton of him yet, but there's also Kobe Prentice has been really good. Kendrick Law is finally healthy. That's a guy that they just get him in space, get him the ball, five, 10 touches a game. Um, and then I think really, you know, Jermaine Burton has kind of been the alpha receiver, but I think maybe the the biggest emergence when it comes to the passing game this season has been Amari Nyblack. He's a tight end. Um, but he's kind of a bigger body, like he's, he's a bigger body receiver that just tied in by, you know, label only, I would, I, I guess is the best way to describe it. He's, this is a guy that's averaging North of 20 yards of catch. Um, they line him up in line, they line him up in the slot, they line him up out wide. They were talking in the preseason about how this guy is just an absolute mismatch, um, when it comes to opposing defenses, you know, cause do you put a fast linebacker on him? Do you put a safety on him? Do you try and stick a corner on him? Like he, he'll post up smaller DBs and he will just outrun, you know, larger DBs or linebackers. Um, he's been very, very good this year. They've used him a lot. Um, you know, so that's, there's a lot of different receiving options. I think they have finally settled into, you know, Burton bond. Um, and then Nye black is kind of their three primary receiving targets. Um, which, you know, I think that's only going to help Jalen Milrow more going forward because it's now it's like, okay, like we're not shuffling through six, seven, yeah. eight, nine receivers or pass catching options. These are your primary guys. We'll, you know, throw Kendrick Law in there every now and again. We'll throw Kobe Prentice in there um, every now and again, um, you know, a handful of snaps. But yeah, watching the pass catchers kind of come along. There's not a they're not a Julio Jones. There's not a Calvin Ridley in that room this year. But there are a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. And I think they have finally settled on the personnel that they at least want to give the most opportunities to moving forward. Yeah, and Cody, one of the biggest questions that I think could determine this ball game, and you know, we're going to talk about the other side of the football for both teams, where it's probably the strengths of both teams. This one to me is who has the bigger weakness. We we know what LSU has coming into this football game. Uh, the fact that there's going to be potentially four, you know, uh, guys that are either redshirt freshmen or true freshmen having to cover a lot of these guys and going up against this, you know, deep passing attack and an offense that's continuously, like you said, trying to find themselves. So, uh, before we move on. Does that do you kind of feel the same way? I mean, that's where I sit is whichever is the biggest weakness on Saturday, that's going to come back to haunt the team. Is it LSU's defense against Alabama's offense? Because the other side of the football, it feels like those are that's strength on strength, and that's going to be a fun one to watch. No, I think there's something to that. I think you know, this is Alabama's offense has to take advantage of kind of what's in front of them now. There's still a lot of talent on that LSU defense. You mentioned Harold mm -hmm. Perkins, that's a guy that. Milrow needs to identify where that guy is before every single play, no matter what. Um, that said, injuries in the secondary, um, you know, that's going to leave open an opportunity, I think, for Alabama to maybe throw the ball around the yard a little bit, at least early. Um, you know, I know that they want to be a run first unit, but just the inconsistency there, um, you know, has kind of, you know, hey, let's put the ball in Milrow's hands and let's let's see if he can make a play. More often than not, he does come through with good plays, has a few boneheaded mistakes every now and again, but um, no, I, th I think there's there's something to the idea of, you know, which weakness can step up more. Um, but then at the same time, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this, too. Um, you know, LSU's offense has been humming in such a way that it may not matter how good Alabama's offense is or, you know, how many stops LSU's defense makes, because, you know, I read a stat, too. And this is kind of getting a little bit off topic. LSU's LSU has punted 15 times this year. Total. Yeah. Total. Yeah. Because I know that they're aggressive on fourth down, but like the offense is just that good. Right. And so it's like, yeah. again, Alabama doesn't want to get into a track meet with LSU, but like there's something to the idea of like, look, like can Alabama's offense be better than LSU's defense enough to help Alabama's defense in this game? And if they do that, I think that they, they'll give themselves a shot. 
Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And yeah, Jay Bramblett, the LSU punter, we've had him twice during media availability this week. And he's like, or, not, or during the season, during the week. And he's just kind of joked. He goes, yeah, I didn't really have to drink any Gatorade. You know, I didn't have to have any Powerade or anything after the game. Like he just kind of got to hang out. So it's uh, it's it's a nice life for a punter. I guess not if you want to like put up good numbers for the NFL. You don't want to be in this LSU offense right now. But, you know, it is what it is. But, man, we take a look at this side of the football. And, look, we can talk about factors. I can sit here and tell you about Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr., you know, this running game that has really been a big missing piece outside of Jaden Daniels that has just emerged in Logan Diggs and company. I think it just comes down to how do you feel like Alabama matches up schematically with what LSU does? Because there's been a lot of talk in our press box, you know, in Tiger Stadium and talking with some other folks of saying, I don't really know how you match up with all these weapons. What do you what do you think the plan is for Alabama's defense, which is a fantastic unit, by the way? Yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot to like about this matchup, right? A lot of NFL talent on the field, lots of, you know, all SEC talent on the field. Um I, you know, Alabama's got a, here's where I fall on this. It, it, it is like the best in the country in LSU's offense against a lot of aspects about Alabama's defense. That is also some of the best mm-hmm. in the country, right? You start with the pass rush. Um, that's where you start with all of Alabama's defenses. Dallas Turner's one of the best in the country. Chris Braswell is a dude that's just, you know, he's one of those. There's there's a saying that we have here, like you you just need one good year in Alabama's defense, and that'll catapult yeah. you into the league. <laughs> Chris Braswell is kind of being that guy this year. He's got an act for the big yeah. play. He has been just as efficient and just as productive as a pass rusher as Dallas Turner. But Dallas Turner is the guy that gets all the sacks, and so he's you know he's he's on the NFL draft boards and whatnot. Chris Braswell is kind of quietly sneaking his way up there. But then on top of that, you have a very very good secondary. Um, behind that pass rush, you've got Kool-Aid McKinstry, right? Like he's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, him and Dallas Turner could potentially be two of the first defensive players off the board in the NFL draft. You've got Terry and Arnold on the other side who is emerging into another all SEC caliber defensive back. You've got Caleb Downs, superstar, true freshman. Literally at this time last year, he was playing Georgia high school ball. He has seamlessly fit into this defense and is not just playing, but like playing very, very well. Um, yeah. So, you know, does the pass rush get there because they're very good or, or, or does the secondary cover enough for the pass rush to get there? Or does the secondary not have to cover enough? You know, like that's, so, you know, the, the pass rush, the secondary is going to, you know, I, it's going to be a fun little back and forth. Like there's going to be some haymakers thrown, I believe in this matchup. Cause you look at, you know, LSU's pass catchers and there's just, there's so many of them. They're so good. The yeah. play calling, the way that they're able to get these guys in space, the pre-snap motion, they're able to kind of get some matchups, not quite Steve Sarkeesian-esque, but similar, right? Some motion-based matchups once mm-hmm. they're able to kind of see the personnel a little bit. Um, that'll be interesting to watch because that was something that Alabama struggled with in week two, right? Like Sark just called one heck of a game and, um, you know, fourth quarter, Texas pulled away from, you know, what was otherwise kind of a, a defensive rock fight for the most part. And that's a credit to Alabama's yeah. defense. So, um, you know, but then I, to me, this, this all starts with can Alabama – I don't know that they can stop him, but can they slow down Jaden Daniels? That to me is like, that's yeah. the primary key. That's the first order of business every single play, because this is a guy that is, he's accurate. He throws a great ball at all levels of the field, but if he gets out of the pocket, you are doomed, right? Like that is, yeah. he can get out and run. He can like, obviously he would prefer to sit in the pocket and throw the ball around the yard, but like he has no problem escaping the pocket and running 15, 20 yards downfield. So, you know, the challenge 
I, th- I don't know, man, there's so many different challenges. I don't know if there's like one big one, but I think the first order yeah. of business for Alabama is just, you know, stopping Jaden Daniels. And I don't even know if stopping him is the right answer. It's like, can you slow him down? Can you frustrate him? Can you get him out of a rhythm? If you can do that, you'll give yourself a chance to get off the field. And the longer that LSU's offense is off the field, um, you know, obviously the better the odds for Alabama. I mean, Cody, I know teams evolve over the course of a season. This is not the same LSU team that suited up week one down in Orlando against Florida State. But I think if there is a blueprint for what Alabama wants to look at, you know, Jaden Daniels had tendencies last year that he has been able to kind of negate coming into this year. Um, You know, one read feels the pressure and goes and takes off. Now, the kid has great legs, but we've seen this year he's been able to stay more comfortable, allow himself to uh, be better outside the pocket as well. But you go back to that Florida State game, you know, it was uh, guys like Jared Verse, uh, Braden Fisk up front for that, you know, Florida State defensive line that's probably the best group they've faced all year to really make him uncomfortable and revert back to some of those tendencies. Coming into this game with, you know, watching some of what Alabama can do, the potential, I think, is there for Alabama to have that type of effect on him. Uh, now, you know, seven, eight weeks into the season, does he still play the same way? I think that's going to be a really big storyline to watch. Is Daniels really grown up? And, you know, a lot of fans down here in Baton Rouge say, you know, this is also one of those games where I think a guy that deserves to be in New York could solidify his status in New York with a good performance in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night. But man, it's uh, these games. Uh, it's it's my first one. I know it's your first one. Uh, any what what are you excited just to experience and, and give maybe the LSU fans that are attending? Uh, you know, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday night? Oh man, this atmosphere is going to be bonkers, right? Like it's it's a seven p.m. kick, but also like college game day is going to be in town in Tuscaloosa, so like those people are going to be up and dr- they're they're going to start drinking real early in the morning, right? So like it's you know marathon, not a sprint. I'm sure LSU LSU fans are going to be able, they're going to be fine. Like they're going to come in, they're yeah, going to hold yeah. their own. Um, but no, man, like it's going to be so much fun. Like I, Bryant Denny Stadium at night is it's a different monster like it's just it's a lot more fun under the lights like and especially just the fact that you know these two teams have gone back and forth so often over the years there's Mm -hmm. always so much talent between these two teams and then this year is literally no exception and then you tell you know add in the fact that like you know Alabama's only got one loss LSU might have two so they probably need a lot to go right to get back into the college football playoff picture but a trip to Atlanta for the second straight year for these Tigers still very much on the table if they can get the win. Right. And also I don't think they would mind playing spoiler to Alabama season. Right. So, (laughs) um, you know, you combine all those factors in, I know LSU is going to travel. Well, they always travel. Well, Alabama shows out, um, you know, especially when Nick Saban asked them to Saban was very, very like, you know, before the Tennessee game, which was the the game before the bye, like, Hey, the crowd needs to show up. The crowd needs to get loud. Um, and they were, and it was, it was unlike anything I had seen thus far this season. Um, you know, so much that Saban spent, you know, after he did the CBS hit post game, he, he wandered around the stadium and waved to the student section. He waved all the fans, um, while chewing on his cigar, because that's what you do when you beat Tennessee. And, you know, like he made it a point to say it again in his post-game press conference. And so it wouldn't shock me at all if he asked for that again. And it wouldn't shock me at all if Alabama fans obliged. But um, I know LSU fans are going to come out in droves. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. It's going to be an amazing game. Um, You know, and I just I I can't wait to see how it unfolds. This is going to be college football like at its best, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is one of the things that makes this sport so special and what a lot of us feel like is one of the best sports, if not the best sport uh, in the world. Before we get you out of here, I know you mentioned a lot of names. Can you give me one name defensively and one name offensively that LSU fans should keep an eye on uh, that's going to be obviously uh, roaming on the field for Alabama? 
Yeah, I think offensively, I touched on him before, but Amari Nyblak, like this is a dude, he he can be a difference maker. And this is a guy that has a nose for the ball. He embraces contact. He's the tight end, right? And this is a guy that they're going to use every which direction. They'll line him up in line. He'll do some chip help stuff. He's a pretty good blocker. Um, but when he gets the balls and when he gets the ball in his hands, he's dynamic, right? Like he is a guy that can catch the ball over the middle of the field and continue running after the catch. This is a guy that runs routes well enough to go down deep. Um, you know, if when he's on the field, like LSU needs to, you know, alert, alert. This is a guy that you need to pay attention to. He's a threat yeah. to get the ball whenever he's on the field. Um, just very, very talented playmaker with a nose for the end zone and a nose for big plays. Defensively, um, I think I mentioned him too, but like Chris Braswell, like yeah, he is the the second half of Alabama's tremendous pass rush. Like you, you start with Dallas Turner, right? But Chris Braswell has been just as good, just as productive. Um, he had two sacks against Tennessee and against Joe Milton. That's no easy task. Um, but this guy also has a knack for big plays. Against Mississippi State, he had a pick six. Um, against Texas A&M, he blocked a field goal that, if not for an errant penalty, he would have also returned that for a touchdown. Um, against Tennessee, um, he sacked Joe Milton, forced a fumble that you know Alabama's defense ultimately scooped and scored, and that'll that iced that game. Um, this is a guy that tends to come up big in big moments. Um, and in a game like this between Alabama and LSU, I feel like there's going to be a lot of big moments. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all if Braswell came up big with another big play, especially when Alabama needs it. So, yeah, those are the two guys that I think I would go with. Amari Nyblak, uh, tight end, and then Chris Braswell, uh, edge rusher. Great weekend of college football coming up, especially on CBS. You got Georgia-Missouri, that 3.30 Eastern kickoff, and then Alabama-LSU, the nightcap. Cody, appreciate you, man, uh, hopping on the podcast and uh, previewing all things Alabama LSU. Before we get you out of here, last thing, uh, let the fans know if they want to read maybe the Alabama perspective or they want to jump in some of the conversation with you guys, uh, where can they find your work and uh, everything that you guys got going on? Yeah, man, we're just uh, – you guys are Go247. We are Bama247, so still in the 247 <laughs> network. If you guys have a Go247 subscription, you can get access to Bama247. So we've got – um, you know, our boards all lit up for this week. Um, we've got stories coming out every single day and, you know, we have our own podcast, uh, roll pod. Um, so that's, you know, if you guys want to tap into that, we're going to be talking plenty of Alabama LSU later this week. Um, but then also like on socials, like we're at Bama underscore two, four, seven. I'm at, uh, at Cody Goodwin on Twitter. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's going to be a fun week, man. I'm excited. And, um, I've been, like I told you, uh, you know, probably last week, I've been digging into this game since the bye week started. It's, it's going to be a fun one, man. It's going to be a big one. I can't wait. Yeah, every time I think I have my prediction, I uncover a new stat or a new trend that is like, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. So I'm 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 waiting to hold my prediction till Friday. But Cody, appreciate you as always, man. And uh, LSU fans, make sure you go check out everything over there at Bama 247. We'll catch you next time here on the Go 24-7.